again and welcome to the Les Represent podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything lesbian, lady living, queer, our stories, our experience, what the representation means to us, and where we see it in everyday life. Today I have a fantastic guest and I'll let her introduce herself. Um, hi, I'm JD Glass. Um, I'm an author, I'm a musician, and I'm definitely a gay person, a gay woman, I should say. Hi. <laughs> well, hello. <laughs> nice to get that out of the way. So tell yeah, us just get right out. <laughs> tell us all about yourself. Oh my god. Um there's there's a lot, but um I don't even know where to start. So um I make things. Um I make stories and I use as many mediums as possible to do it. So um I write books and I write music and um, now I work for a video game company and I write those kinds of stories as well. And it's, um, I actually have a lot of fun. I used to say when I was younger growing up that I wanted to be just like George Lucas. I wanted to build my own world and live in it. And I'm kind of getting there bit by bit. Well, congratulations, George Lucas. That's a big thing. Let's hope Disney doesn't buy you out. <laughs> you know, would that be such a bad thing? Think about this. I mean, think about how much less stress he has and how much money he still has exactly exactly and and that's what i'm thinking I'm like if the mouse pays for your house and your swimming pool are you in a bad place i guess not <laughs> all right so this is a fun question that i'm sure no one who goes into the creative arts likes to hear but you know it's always nice to know the answer what made you want to start doing writing and making your own stories like did that spur from something or was that just something you always knew you wanted to do um <laughs> i've always written stuff i've always been singing and i've always been creating so um the first story i ever wrote was in kindergarten and it was called the mouse in the house because it was based on a true story you know write what you know my mother was not happy um <laughs> so what, what was the story about there was a mouse in your house Yes, exactly. When oh, I, <laughs> wow. I heard I heard a noise. I, would, I was five years old, and I, I woke up because I heard a, a, a thump, and I kept thumping. So I walked to the bathroom to see what the thump was. And inside, I found, inside the bathtub, I found a little mouse about the size of a gumball. And it had a little boo-boo on its foot. So, of course, I'm five. I cried. I just woke up my dad. And then we, then my brother came and woke up to see what it was with me. So we're both crying over the little, little mouse, little tiny little boo-boo on its foot. And we made my father rescue it and let it go in the bushes outside. I'm surprised you can remember that. I can't remember something I did last week, let alone things I did when I was five. <laughs> so that was my, that was my first story. Wow. And your, your mother was not pleased that that was your first story? <laughs> no, because I shared it with my kindergarten class, and now the whole kindergarten class knew we had a mouse. Oh, goodness. <laughs> so you must have a really, really good memory to remember stuff from when you were five. I guess so. I, I, never, really, I never really gave that much thought, you know, whether that's a good memory or not. It just, it's just something I remember. Wow. That's really nice. My, my mother likes to share a story about a mouse in the bathroom, which was not nearly as charming as that one. And apparently she had a mouse that was able to, like, it, it was so intelligent, it knew how to chew its way out of its prison. Like, it chewed, <laughs> it chewed its way out of its cage. And my grandmother went to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, 
and she's in the bathroom and all she can hear is just and apparently the mouse had gotten inside the toilet so in the middle of the oh, night yeah. there's oh, just no, no, no. endless screaming about this creature inside the toilet that's trying to get you and that's just like one of the the pinnacle fe fears that everyone has that something's gonna get you while you're on the toilet. Oh, I mean, you always look first, don't you? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Look so I don't know if everybody remembers potty training because I think what happens is sooner or later you fall in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been writing stories for forever. So when did you when did you first get published? Um. I first got published, um, whew, I first got published, I think it was uh, 2004, and then that company went out, you know, belly up, and so I got, um, my first novel got published, I would say, officially, with a big release and all that in 2006, and that was Punk Like Me, and it's, uh, we just had an anniversary edition come out last year, and uh, with it. It's expanded and it's bigger and and um, what do you call it? It's been translated into German and have there's a, a publisher who is interested in you know translating it into Spanish and it's being developed right now as we speak into an illustrated novel, which I absolutely love. Wow. Because, you know, yeah, right. Because who doesn't love pictures? Exactly. You know, and, and the person who's doing the artwork is um, is Chris Dresden, who is phenomenal. So, um, full disclosure, um, it's it's sort of like uh, it, it's sort of like lesbian power couple in here because um, she's the queen of of comics and I'm sort of like the queen of books. So our marriage is kind of um, not unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> so what is what is that book about? Um, Punk like me is about a young woman named Nina, who. She, she discovers that she's gay, and that's not so much the issue as her staying true to that identity. She goes to an all-girls high school that's run by nuns. Oh, and her God. Had, yeah, her parents have these tremendous expectations of her. You know, um, and among them is that she's going to go to, um, uh, to Annapolis, you know, to the, Navy, to the Naval Academy. And this book takes place in the 80s, so it's the height of the Cold War. And it's also, it's the beginning of the AIDS crisis. And it's also, um, don't ask, don't tell hasn't even happened yet. It's they find out you're queer, you are gone with a banned conduct discharge if they don't jail you. Wow. You know, so it's, um, so this is what this poor 16-year-old kid's got to contend with. <laughs> you know, and still, and how she, how does she deal with that? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what it's about. So it's um, coming of age of New York City, not in the 80s, not, and not even just coming of age, but coming into your own, discovering who you are, um, being true, being being authentic. And that's really what it's about. It's about being, um, one of the subtitles for the book is, is Punk Like Me, A Tale of an Authentic Rebel. Well, that's very catchy. I'll I'll have to look that one up. I think I've actually seen it around, but... Given my schedule, I try not to pick anything up because I just end up not finishing it. Um, so I understand. So how does someone who writes books, how did you get into music? I was actually into music before I started writing. And um, I've been, I'm a 
in the music scene for, for years and years and years. And I, I actually, I perform now. I, I used to be in a couple of different bands and, you know, I've opened for Toshi Regan and um, a couple other people. And now I perform solo, actually. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, um, but it's really the same thing. In fact, being a songwriter really, really trained me to write books because it's all about storytelling. And it's all about being, um, making that emotional connection between you and whoever. And when you're writing a book, you can't see who your future audience is. You just have to know that they'll be there. In the same way, when you're writing a song and you're singing it to someone, you just don't know who they're going to be yet. You just have to, it, it's an act of faith. You know, it's like jumping off a trapeze or anything and knowing that someone's going to catch you, even though you don't know who they are or where they are or when they are. <laughs> Goodness. So do you, do you have any like albums out? I'm working on an EP now. Wow. So yeah. So I'm hoping to wrap it up in the next two weeks. So um, I'm, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> what, what? It's solo work. So what kind of, what kind of music is it like? Does it fit into a particular genre? Um, well, are you familiar with like the Pretenders and or Garbage and or U2? Yes, I am. Awesome. Okay. So singing wise, I sound like a cross between, um, Chrissy Hines and, uh, Shirley Manson. I have that, that, that's my voice. That's ex pretty much what I sound like. And then musically, if you were to take sort of those like really Americana kind of kind of tones, even like sort of like a, a John Cougar Mellencamp sort of singer-songwriter approach, but add to it some of that shimmer and sparkle that you have going from, like I said, you two or garbage, then that's what I sound like. I, I ain't gonna lie, half that went over my head. Unfortunately, I am not musically talented at all. So I don't, <laughs> like, I know obscure music i know i know how to listen to music but i can't say i know how to do anything that has to do about putting anything into music unfortunately i took i took marching band for like three years and then i was like adios what'd you do in marching i i played the cornet which is that... like a, a smaller version of a trumpet essentially yes yes they're 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 beautiful instruments and if i remember correctly aren't they one of the few brass instruments that's on the treble clef I mean, if I could remember, I would say yes. But I, I literally went into it in uh, junior high. I said I was going to do it. They said, you have to do it for at least three years. I said, fine. Three years came and went, and I was like, goodbye. So like the army, you did just send you out. <laughs> Basically. And it's just, I don't know, marching band came around, and I was like, I am too lazy for this. And I just... <laughs> I, I just like, you know what, I understand that band kids have this thing together, but I cannot have that thing on a marching field in the heat. It's not going to happen. Um, I, I did not have a marching band in my high school, so I did not have that particular high school experience. But I did belong to a, uh, a group called the Richmond Cadets, um, and they did have a marching band. So I played the Glockenspiel. The, oh, I'm sorry. The what? Yeah, exactly. The Glockenspiel. <laughs> it's the bells. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the official word, Glockenspiel. And I was very tiny at the age of 12. Everybody else was so much bigger than me, and my, my, my Glockenspiel, so they gave me the big one, and this really, really huge girl who was, like, six foot, like, 
forever. Mm-hmm. You know, they get her the tiny one. So finally, one day we're marching and I'm like struggling under the weight of my my bells. And somebody, one, another officer turns around and says, could you switch them? Because, you know, glass here is being crushed. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that, that was my marching band experience. And um, I've marched in the New York St. Patrick's Day Parade twice. Oh, wow. So you said cadets. Were you, did you go to a military school? No, no, no. No. Um, The Rich Cadets was sort of like, um, it was a group formed by a former Navy person. It was sort of like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts, um, but it was co-ed and it was done in a sort of a Navy style so that we had, um, and we had Navy rankings and we had to follow orders and we marched around and we drilled. And I guess it's something that parents do so that your kids get the experience of being out of the house. I don't know. <laughs> just something. Discipline and camaraderie, you know? All right. Just give you an activity to do so you're not doing other things. I, right. I get exactly. that. I get so- that parents got involved too so it wasn't about basically it's 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 scouting with a, a navy theme all right that so did you do more than march or was it just it was just like basically a drum like a drum corps thing um they had a drill team and then they had other groups you know the band was that's all we did was rehearse we were every time we went we rehearsed but i did get my boating license out of there so you got a boating license how do you I, go in to play bells and leave with a boating license <laughs> because you know it's a navy group so you know once if you're if you're over the age of 12 did you know that you can get a you can get a boating license i think if you're over the age of 10 how what is this life i mean you can I drive a boat at 10 legally as long as you have a license i mean i didn't really think that you needed a license to drive a boat i you i stand do. corrected apparently you, need, you do there's a whole bunch of rules there's a whole bunch of rules and apparently the water is where you have even more drunk driving accidents happen than on the streets. I would imagine, because people think you go onto the lake and there's no rules. See, exactly. That's why you need a license. Uh, the, I mean, you don't really see many people patrolling. Like, I've never had anyone ever pull pull my boat over Whoa. and say, can I see your... <laughs> yeah, like, never. I've never encountered that. Like, I mean, I don't go fishing anymore because uh, no one has time for that. Um, um, in years. Years, years, years. But that might change next week. You never know. I mean, if you like to do that, it's your thing. I personally, the only reason I would ever go fishing is to make sure that everyone else caught fish because the fish would know. They would know that I was in the boat and they would say that means go to everyone else's lure. (laughs) And I'm like, that's fine. So you're sort of good luck in a way. I'm I'm good luck to everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then that means that they should, you know, go fish in your honor then. They should go go forth, and I guess tell the patrol people that you never see. You know, make sure you have your license. I remember when I actually had to get my fishing license once, and I was just like, "Who's gonna check?" I know. You know, I have never, I, I have never, ever, ever had been checked for a fishing license. Not once. I've never seen anyone check. Like, is it, is this one of those things where, like, if an accident happens, they'll be like, "So, did you have your fishing license?" Like, is this what's going on? <laughs> There was a there was a major incident with a hook and a trout. Oh my god! There's a there's a catfish here, and he says you did not have your license. <laughs> Frogs. You know, I mean, I don't know. I have no, I have never ever ever been in a situation 
for anybody has ever asked for a fishing license. I mean, I don't know. I don't understand the world we live in. They're probably too busy looking for kids smoking pot. I I would figure. I would figure that would just be it. They'd be looking for underage drinking and under and smoking. I guess. So we got a little off topic. So you so you do writing and you do music. Very talented lady there. I can hardly do either or. I can't. In fact, we already talked about this. I can't do either or. So, uh, but uh, so now you're moving over to video games. Like, how do you make that transaction? Um, transition. It, I guess it turns into a transaction. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah right. When you're done. Um, well, when long story short as possible, um, you know, I I am a writer and and I love writing, so um. I had this opportunity to try out for a job um, as a writer, um, and I figured, well, why not? What's the worst that could happen? Because um, they could say no, and if that happens, then that happens. But I have um, I have a career trajectory in mind because I I've been starting to write. I've, I've written a couple of um, scripts that are being discussed, and I want to go into more of um, the TV and, and uh, streaming aspect of storytelling. You know, this and all of this is writing. Every single bit of it is writing. So I figured, you know what? If I write for video games, then I will get the experience of sort of, quote-unquote, writing in a room and under a deadline and to spec. You know, um, I'm going to really learn something here. And I figured that's that was my my purpose, my my the method to my madness was that I was going to do this because I wanted to learn how to write quickly and how to write episodically and how, to, how to write in this, in this different sort of a genre where everything is sort of um, framed out for you. You know, um, if you're familiar with, with the painter Matisse, he worked with a limited color palette, you know, um, there's boundary in the same way, you know, when you're writing for someone else and they tell you what to write, you're working with a limited palette. Um, but you have to do excellently within that. And so that's what I thought I would do. I would develop and hone this particular skill so that in the future, when I'm in the writer's room and we're discussing whether or not my shows are going to be on Netflix or a TV or on, on the big screen, you know, I know what I'm doing. And you're and moving then, into, you're moving into like, well, I did not, I, I mean, it. <sighs> You're a lot more than I thought you were going to be. Like, this sound, that almost sounds rude, but I was not expecting to talk to someone who is very accomplished and going into very many things. I was like, <laughs> well, I was not prepared for this podcast, but I am very excited to talk to you still. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm, you know, it'd be sad if you weren't. It would be sad for me anyway. No, like, I'm, I'm always excited to talk to people, but now it's just like, it's the gift that keeps on giving when you open up a conversation with someone you never know where it's going to go and you never know what you're going to find out like you're talking to a writer musician someone who's going to even have their stuff on the big screen like it's just wow well i hope (laughs) so that's that's the that's the ambition so so i met um so i met lauren and um and somehow i don't know what happened but i discovered that i love this method of storytelling and that this is something i didn't know i always wanted to do so, so we're, we're talking about Lauren from Love Struck from, that we oh, already yes. did. Yes, 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 exactly. So and I got so I got the position and I'm writing for the story. So I can't talk too much about it. Of some course, of my, some of my stuff has been released and some of it's waiting to be released. Um, and I think it's coming out um, in July. So not too long from now. Played the Astoria game and I played the one. It's already out, so I can talk about it. Yeah, it's been out 
well. So I played um, um, Fate's Kiss. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. And I played Medusa first, of course. Of course. You know, I can talk about that shit all day. <laughs> oh my God. So I wasn't like, you know, now here's the thing, you know, so I'm a writer. I've got a whole bunch of books under my belt and I am not known for writing romances. There are romantic elements in the books that I write, but I'm not the, you know, girl meets girl, girl likes girl, girl and girl have a falling out for something stupid. Then they get back together. <laughs> I, I, I will be, I'm gonna, I hope I can use is it okay if I use the F word? Of course, you do you. Uh, thank you. Well, it's I think it's fucking stupid, and I can't stand it, and so I don't write that. Um, what I write is, when I say what well, I write romance, I write romance in the sense of the traditional meaning of the word, which is it's an adventure, damn it. You know, mm -hmm. um, and of course people fall in love and have interpersonal things because that's life. Mm -hmm. So these are the things I write about. So bring it back to Voltage for a moment and to uh, and Lovestruck and the whole Medusa storyline. So here I am. This is a love story, right? I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. I, what the fuck? And it's so damn <laughs> It was so damn good. I was like, yeah, all right. I get it because this is not stupid trope. Yeah, like none of their none of their stuff is stupid trope. None of their stuff is even like I go into it expecting like basic stories, and it's never that. It's never been a basic story. So. No, not at all. And so I was really thrilled. You know, I, I before I even knew that I had the position, I started playing, and I was like, I hope I get it because these stories are so damn good, and they just keep getting better and better. And I I was really amazed because. Although, ostensibly, you know, these are quote-unquote romance stories, the adventure is so damn good. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the adventure is just such a great story, the entire path that it takes. You know, and of course there's a romance in it because, you know, we're human. That's what happens. You know, people complain, side note, a little bit of a rant. You know, people talk about how, like, oh, there's romance books and there's everything else. But the thing is, when you read everything else that's fiction... There's a romance in it because if there isn't, it's boring as hell. Mm -hmm. You know, if you read, you know, good sci-fi, there's a romance. Good fantasy, there's a romance. Anything that you read, there's got to be some sort of a romance because it's human, and that's how we make our characters humane. You know, humane. We can represent them and their growth. There's got to be some sort of human connection in there. So I, I just had to get that off my chest. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. I, I get it. Like people, for whatever reason, look down on people who read romance books and I do not understand why because literally you can go into like the most the most warm-blooded testosterone driven movie out there like you can go watch Die Hard and there's a romance freaking story in Die Hard like you can't thank you I mean what well, I mean what can you get any more like testosterone driven than I'm sure you can I'm sure there's someone out there who can say but you forgot about this movie and I'm like I can bet you I can point out a romance that's in that movie I was about to say, um, the, the, the Will Smith movie, Independence Day. Yeah. Now, you know, now, I remember I saw that movie. I came out of the theater, and somebody asked me what I thought, and I said, there was no dialogue. There was no plot, but there were so many explosions. Who cares? You know, it was cool. Uh, but even that movie, with its complete lack of plot and nothing but pure awesome explosions, there's a romance in there. <laughs> exactly. Every time, there's always a part where the guy gets the girl at some point. And it's exactly. just, well, there you go. There's a romance in there. Just because you don't want to sit there and read through people's feelings doesn't mean but, there's not a romance there. 
Well, exactly. And, and we, you know, we can see their feelings. It's sublimated into blowing away aliens, but there's feelings involved, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's, it, it gets me how people look down on that kind of stuff. Like, it's like, it's like pigeonholed as a kind of a, as a woman's pleasure. And for whatever reason, that makes it like less, I don't know, like people make fun of it more, which is, which is really crazy. It's like, how did we get to this point in the world where if a girl likes something for some reason, it's just looked down upon more than anything else? Well, that's that's kind of the story of the history of the world right now, isn't it? I mean, I think I, I know that we hear a lot about uh, imposter syndrome when it comes to women. And I think that that's something that we've only recently discovered as a thing, because frankly, I think imposter syndrome has been around forever and that men suffer from it all the time because I'm not a real man. And they have to constantly, you know, eat their feelings and shove their feelings and kill their feelings and strangle their feelings because they need to be a real man. And that if they're having these feelings and they're not a real man. And so I think that, you know, I'm not saying that women don't suffer from imposter syndrome. Every I think I just think that men have been suffering from it, literally suffering from it much longer than we have recognized it as an issue. I believe so. I totally believe it. And we wouldn't be in this world where we're fighting toxic masculinity if it wasn't for that whole generalization of oh this is what a man is which that concept has changed so much over the years and yet it's just they they hold on to this idea that from like 50 years ago that wasn't even real right right exactly well you know it's funny when you think about let's speaking solely about american culture Mm -hmm. because we we don't really we don't really have the the knowledge, nor actually in many ways the right to speak about a culture we didn't grow up in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, in American culture, when if you think about it, you know, people came back from World War II, and they came back really fucked up, and they had PTSD. And, you know, we call this, it's the great generation, it's also, the, I think the one before them is called the silent generation. It doesn't matter, because this generation suffered in silence. And this generation with PTSD, severe PTSD, raised their children. And so their children, you know, they went to Vietnam and came back with more PTSD. And then they raised the next generation. And, and, you know, if you think about it, we've got these cycles of people with PTSD, you know, not getting the help they need, you know, and not recognizing that they need help or being told, well, that's just the condition of being a man, of being a veteran, of being whatever. And I think that we need to sort of disarm that and work with healing that, that recognition that we have generation after generation, especially after World War II, raised with PTSD. And it's it's generational. It's not just that, you know, oh, they had PTSD, but the generation after them didn't. They do. And then the generation after them does too. And that these this is part of, I think that this is part of the the unpacking of toxic masculinity, you know, basically this compounded generational PTSD. And I think it's also part of the blossoming of the change that we're seeing because we are recognizing that something is wrong here. And I don't think that anybody is born wrong or that we're meant that you know nobody means nobody means to be wrong nobody means to do the wrong thing nobody wants to be the bad guy um but this culture and acculturation has created this 
And we're, we're recognizing it now that this is not healthy for any of us. But I, I completely agree. It's, it just surprises me how, how long it takes us to catch up with the problems that we've made. Um, you know, I agree. But I, I agree for the most part that it seems to take us a long time. But I also think that thanks to communication and the way it works now, that we're so much faster at doing this. You for know, sure. We used to be good. You know, um, we, we really, we used to not be this good at it. So I think, I think we're better. And that's why I think that while things are uncomfortable right now, that these are growing pains. Hmm. That's a nice way to think of it. Or, well, in the way that it's going to be getting better. I think that it, let me rephrase. I was going to say, I think, but I, I know. And the reason I say that is because there are too many people who have fought too hard and who are unwilling to let us go backwards. Mm-hmm. The very fact that you have this podcast to me, that is a, a direct manifestation of that unwillingness to go back but willing to work to move forward to get us to make us better and i mean that from the bottom of my heart i was not expecting this to get this deep (laughs) (laughs) i'm so sorry but that that really wow i think you're giving me a whole shit ton of credit for someone who likes to just talk to people in a mic but i i do see that that was another one of the reasons why i wanted to start this because i i I was alone for a pretty long time before I figured out who I was and then to realize that there was a community out there and to feel that just to feel a part of something just made me feel so much better about myself. And I just wanted to share that feeling with other people. And I feel like the communication and to be able to bring people together is very, very, very important. So just, just to be able to talk to people, to be able to talk to you, to talk to someone I'm going to talk to next week, you know, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to, to get to know people. Right. And to share that knowing of them with others, that, that's, but you know, that's a huge act of revolution. That's a huge act of authenticity. Whenever we're authentic, you know, we are, we are revolutionary, you know, and, and that's what you're doing. And it seems like it's no big deal. But it's the hugest thing because, I mean, can you imagine, right? You you were lonely once. I was too. I think many of us were. And imagine being lonely, but there's this voice on the, you know, coming through on the radio or you're reading or you're hearing it on the internet and now you're not lonely anymore. There's someone there. Maybe they're not exactly like you, but they are like you. Maybe this is your tribe. Maybe this is your people. Maybe you're not alone anymore. That's that's huge. That's that's life saving. That's universe altering. Wow. But you're doing a huge thing here. Yeah, I I told and I think that you're also doing a huge thing cuz when when was your you said your first book was published in 2000, well 2004, but technically 2006. 2006. And and I'm pretty like I've I've seen the market for these things and it's only recently that let's pick has gotten really big where it's anything other than oh one of these couples is going to die at the end like what no, is it, their no. relationship's not going to work out like it's 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 people going past it and saying well this is the human experience and sometimes it does work out for the better well that's i tell people who read my books because i tend to write a bit of i, I write what's called literary fiction 
literary fiction, first of all, is two things. One is it's what nobody knows what to put it in any other category. And um, also it means that it's about life. So I warn people. Um, I tell them that, you know, you, you buckle up, put on a helmet. It's going to be a ride. I will bring you home safely. Oh, goodness. I will bring you home safely. But it's going to be a hell of a ride. And I do that because um, I don't I don't play with the tropes. I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. They're important. People do them beautifully. I don't. I could, but I don't. It's not my thing. Um, it's because we still, we as, as a gay people and, and a queer people, we still need each other. We still need guidance. We still need support. You know, I didn't really have that at all. And there are way too many people who are, because so many of us are doubly marginalized. We're marginalized because we're gay, but even before that, we are isolated and sometimes excommunicated from our families and our communities. And even, unfortunately, within our own community, predators exist. And so my, I see it as my sacred job to help people get through and get through the, the crap that your parents are going to throw at you and your friends and society is going to throw at you. Get through the predators that are going to find you. You know, it's just going to happen. That's life. That's life. That's life. And I'm sorry, but but here's a Band-Aid and I love you, you know, and, and we're going to get through it. And that's that's what I write about. I write about the getting through and I write about the hope and I write about the joy and I write about the mistakes that we make and how we fix it and how we, we dust ourselves off. And, you know, um, I'm the kind of girl that, you know, yeah, I'll cry. But damn it, I am going to swing at you super hard, even through my tears. And I write about that. I, I, I write about, you know, what we are as people and who we are as people and everyday heroism. And as gay people, like I said, as queer people, we still, we need our heroes. And we need to know that it's not just, you know, two rich people fell in love. That it's this person, they worked as an EMT and this shitty thing happened, but they found love and they survived. And this other person, you know, they're, they're a secretary and, you know, they had this thing happen, but they got through it and they, they have a lovely life. They have a beautiful life and no, it's not perfect, but that's, that's also the joy of it. And that's the beauty of it. It's not perfect, but it is beautiful. And that's what I try to get across in every single thing I do, whether it's music, whether it's books, whether in the future, you know, it's going to be some sort of visual thing that. It's not perfect, and that's where the beauty lies. Wow. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I didn't know I was going to say that either. <laughs> that's beautiful, though. So I'm going to wind it back a little bit, because if we get any more passionate, I might break my cardinal rule and legit cry in this that's microphone. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to wind back. So you said you were writing for a male character. Is this something you've done before? Like, I mean, obviously, you, you must have at some point. I think there's a misconception between you have to know how to write a man and know how to write a woman. Would you agree with it that that is something you actually need to know how to do? Or is that more like we're people, you know, it's not something that needs to be such a broad focus? It's a little, you know, that, that's, it's funny because it's a really careful, it's a really hard question to answer, isn't it? I mean, I'm yeah. writing for a male character, but I'm still writing it through a female point of view. Oh, yeah. that does make it even harder. Like, I was like, that was a hard question to, to phrase. This is an even yeah. harder question to phrase. You know, the main character of, the main character of this story, you know, is, um, is 
MC, main character, is female. And the love interest in this particular um, story I'm writing is male. And to be honest, what makes it easy? Mm -hmm. um, The story is the story. And an adventure is an adventure. I don't care if you're encountering monsters, you know, or or space aliens, or, you know, um, you know, or robbers on the street, you know, the story is the story is the story. Um, you know, the, the feelings that you have um, in terms of running away from something or running to something, you know, danger, or adrenaline, all that stuff, that's universal. But the really funny thing is when writing the, the, the more loving aspects, the intimate aspects of it, I'm just writing about two people in love and the gender doesn't even exist. And it's really funny because um, it's just not there. It just because you're talking the language of love. And you're using the language of love and of loving and of intimacy. And who knew? Did you know there's no gender? When I, there's, no, there's no gender when I say I love you. Love is love. It really, really is. There's absolutely no gender in those words. There's no gender in the words I want to hold you. There's no gender in the, words, in, in the words kiss me. There's no gender in any of this. And so it's actually in that respect not hard. At all, because I'm just writing about two people who love each other. Yeah, love is love, people. You don't (laughs) need any of that. You don't need any of that jazz. No. Fantastic. This is is a bit of a segue, but it all relates back. So um, there's this magazine called Go Magazine. Mm -hmm. And it is a magazine for for the city girl on the go. And it's it's for lesbians. Is it? It's for lesbians and queer women. Yep. And so every year for Pride, they put out a sex. There's a section within the magazine called 100 Women We Love. Mm-hmm. So if you look at my Twitter page, you'll see some stuff for it because I was the guest editor for the 100 Women We Love. Huh. And I You've got done everything. See- You've done everything. <laughs> what have you not done? Tell me what you've not done so I can stop being surprised. <laughs> I have never been skiing. You never been jet ski? You know what? I don't think I've ever jet skied either. So. I've never jet skied. Okay. Um, <laughs> I've never I've never jumped out of a plane, and I don't intend to. I me neither. Uh, I have never lived in a foreign country. Well, that's not true. I did live in Peru for a little while when I was a kid. But there we go. I have, so I was gonna say I never lived in a foreign country, but that wasn't true. Um, I um. I have never wrestled an alligator, and I don't intend to. It's probably for the best. Exactly. Um, let's see. Have you ever been uh, noodling? Pardon? You ever been noodling? Noodling what? Ugh. I I'm letting my southern heritage show. It, it's noodling is basically where you're trying to catch catfish with your bare hands. No, no, I know what that is. It's dumb. <laughs> no, it's kind of silly. Um, uh, I think I may have tried it once in my teenage years. Oh um, man. <laughs> I'm from the East Coast, so, you know, um, we do weird things. Uh, <laughs> you know, um... Anyway. Like, <laughs> so that's 100 women's thing. Yes, back to the 100 women. So anyway, so I, I had to... It, it was this... within. It took five weeks for me to put together, and um, among the women that are on that list, one of them is, in fact, Lauren Cobb. Really? So, yes. One of them is Lauren Tom. Uh, one of them is Chris Dresden. 
There's actually a bunch of like there's if if you go through the list, um, Tanya DePass, who is the the uh, founder of the I Need Diverse Games uh, organization, is on there. So uh, Rika Takashima, another uh, uh, another comic book artist. Uh, I think I already mentioned Chris Dresden. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Jen Benka, who is the uh, head of the American Academy of Poets. So it's a really good list, and it's about, um, let's see, Laura Heller. She's a, a JAG Corps lawyer, uh, Dr. Lauren Miranda. It, it's a, She's a, 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 like an occupational sports therapist, and she's amazing. Uh, Lena Waithe is in there. Um, what's Oh, Stephanie Beatriz, as in the actress Stephanie Beatriz, she's there. Um, Alexandra Tidings, she played um, uh, Aphrodite on the TV show Xena. She's in there. Wow. I, yeah, she's so cool. Um, she really is. She's really, really cool. So there's some really, really neat people in that. And so, um, but I got to, you know, kind of wrangle this all together and it was a lot of fun. It was a big challenge and it was a, a very enjoyable challenge. And so you can see it online, but you can actually get print of the magazine, which is the best part that there's an actual print of this. And um, like I said, so some of the people that, you know, we've been referring to are actually in there as well. And I think that's really, really cool. And I wanted to share that because because um, I want to share the love. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get? OK, so you've been writing, you're a musician, you started doing video games and you've also written for magazines. It's I mean, yeah. you just... I've written for The Advocate and for After Ellen. It's wow. Like, I don't understand. Like, my my wife is also one of one of these women that just, they say, we're, we're going to do something, and you're all determined, and you just, you make shit happen. And I'm like, how does this, how does this work? <laughs> um, caffeine. Caffeine. And, and tears. There's tears involved sometimes. <laughs> Damn it. Those are the two things I do not have in this house right now. <laughs> Ah, damn! I know. What am I gonna do? I just totally. <laughs> maybe I should go back to caffeine. I decided I was like I had a, a semi addiction. I don't know. My body doesn't process caffeine the way it should. Like people take energy drinks and they'll crash like several hours later. I'll take an energy drink and I'll crash an hour within the first wave, and it's it's an awful feeling. That's so, actually usual. Hmm. That's, That's usual. Not- yeah, that does happen. It's a pretty, it's not an unusual phenomenon. Oh, I feel better knowing that I'm not like sick or something. I don't know. My body just doesn't like caffeine though. It's an unfortunate side effect. It's probably already revved up and you're using, most likely if you get exhausted like that, your blood sugar has dropped very, very badly. Of course. It probably is the blood sugar part. Anyway. Because exactly. caffeine just uses that last bit of gas, doesn't it? It's just like, okay, pedal to the metal, and now we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel, except it's also on the floor. Uh, so, wow, you just you just make things happen in your life, and I one day I will learn to do the same. Um, You've made this happen. What are you talking about? You're right. I need to take credit for what I'm doing, but I also, you know, I would not be anywhere if it was not for the wonderful people who wanted to share their stories. Well, yeah, but you're also hunting them out, and that's a big deal. Uh, man, yes. I'm just, I'm just going to say yes, but I'm just grateful for every single person who wants to come in and share. So do you want to share anything about 
your life because you're you're apparently a woman of purpose and makes things happen did, did, so, <laughs> did this come from somewhere or was this just something you were born with you know i i'm not certain um i'm really not certain i guess i have i've always been me i've, I've never not been me mm-hmm. so um despite uh the world literally trying to tear me down for it so I don't know where that comes from. I've just always been like that. You know, um and thus a legend was born. <laughs> but yes. The woman the myth, the lunch cookie. Uh, the lunch cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard that and I'm going to tuck that away somewhere. <laughs> and we used to say that in, um in college. The man, the myth, the lunch cookie. You know, Delicious. So. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, no, I, I've just always been, um, I've always been very observant. I've always been very, um, open to feeling about the world around me. I remember one of the, my, I remember being really small, um, maybe about three actually, and crying hysterically because, um, there was a bunch of us, a bunch of us little, little kids, we've been put outside to play and an older boy, we, we were playing with caterpillars. And an older boy killed one. Oh. And I cried. I was hysterical crying because he killed it. And um, so I've always been, you know, it, it not, I was inconsolable, actually. And I had to be brought outside. And I would never talk to that boy again. You know, he tried to make nice and whatever. And I, and I, I just, I, I was heartbroken. I couldn't look at him anymore. And... Um, Back to being five again. I remember I was in kindergarten and uh, my parents threw me a lovely birthday party. And um, I had just watched a movie on uh, PBS, Channel 13, at, in New York at that point, um, The Red Balloon. And um, the balloon dies. And so at the party, when the kids started popping the balloons, I started crying hysterically because they were killing the balloons. So I've always been, in that sense, um, very observant and very aware of people and what both the good things and sometimes especially the bad things that they were capable of. And I think it just made me cherish um, goodness even more where I see it. And somehow I internalized that to be strong about who I am. That's all I can think of because it's, it's either that or like my soul is many, many years old and I've been here a lot and, you know, I ain't taking shit. <laughs> <laughs> you go. You ain't taking <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> wow. Just wow. Um, so when was the – so since you – are you sure you don't have a photographic memory? Because I can't remember shit like ever. <laughs> so like um- – Oh, not well. It depends. It de- it depends. Some things I remember perfectly, and some things I don't. Still got a better memory than me. Do you remember when was the first time you realized gay was a thing, like that that there was another world outside the heteronormative norms? Well, back to kindergarten. So <laughs> I was walking with my mother, and um, I had been playing with my best friend Rebecca. And we were playing house, and we were arguing because nobody wanted. I see it was really hard because you know if you played mommy, then you got to play with the baby doll. 
but you also had to cook and clean. If you played daddy, you did not get to play with the baby doll, but you got to eat dinner. So it was very difficult to play house because we were both girls and nobody wanted to make dinner. <laughs> oh, my God. Or to clean. It's, Again, like, this- it's my relationship <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> so we took turns and my mom sort of freaked out. When my mom came to pick me up later, she kind of freaked out. And I remember Rebecca's mother going, what's the big deal? They're just little girls. They're just playing. Because I remember I was like, mommy, mommy, we're married. And we're both, we're both like the husband wife or something like that. You know? Yeah. So, um, and I remember my mother being upset. And um, Rebecca's mother's like, they're just little girls. They don't, they're just playing. They don't even know what they're talking about. They're just playing. And that stuck out in my head. So a few days later, I was walking somewhere, just holding me by the hand. And uh, I said, I asked questions like the little kids do. I was like, well, you know, what happens if, you know, you marry your grandfather? What happens if you marry your brother? What happens if you marry your daddy? You know, because I'm little. I don't know anything. You know, and I'm like, well, what happens if, you know, a boy marries a boy? You know, and what happens if a girl marries a girl? And all the other answers had, you can't do that because this. And they were really sweet, very redirected child answers, you know? Mm-hmm. But the answer to the boy and the girl thing is like, I was like, she was very, very clear cut. She said they would be monsters. Wow. Sorry, excuse me. And I remembered that. I never forgot it. And. Several years later, maybe not too many, we were we were driving through um, from our home on the way to upstate New York, and um, it turns out years later I realized that it was a Pride Sunday, and my mother made she we, you know we were driving through Manhattan, and next thing I know my mom's like get down you know meeting us kids and she made us duck down in the back of the car, and we weren't allowed to look out the window. Oh wow. Be- because pride was happening outside. So, um, by the time I realized gay was a thing, I mean, I guess I kind of always had some sort of awareness, but when I really started learning about what gay was, the big thing on the news was this new disease that was killing gay men. Mm -hmm. And um, I will never forget the snicker. Oh. Anchor's face. He laughed. A lot of these people now, they're quote unquote on our side, but I don't forget and I don't forgive. I remember. And so I learned about being gay in the shadow of a Holocaust. You know, I learned about being gay when um, they wanted us to die. And they said that AIDS was God's judgment upon us. Mm. Of course, I turned around a couple of years. It didn't take too long and for me to figure it out because I'm a smart cookie. You know, um, my, my father, you know, used to wake me up in the morning with die faggot die. Um, it didn't take me long to realize that, you know, um, we're in the lowest category to possibly get AIDS. Everybody else gets it a little more frequently than we do. Lesbians, I mean. So I turned around and told Dad that I must be one of the chosen people. 
So um, <laughs> this did not earn me any brownie points. In fact, it got me grounded, but I did feel a lot better. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and you know, when I first, for me, you know, when I first started coming out, I, um, you know, I had a hard time. I had a really, really hard time. I wasn't, I didn't have an issue with anybody else being gay. I had an issue with me being gay and I really wrestled with it. And I sort of did the happy medium thing for a while where I could sort of, you know, I would wake up, I, 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 I would struggle all day long and I'd go to sleep at night going, all right, I'm gay. And I wake up in the morning. I'm like, but I have a boyfriend and I'd struggle through the whole day and I go to sleep at that night and be right before I went to sleep. I'm like, all right, I'm straight. And then wake up the next morning and be like, but, but I kind of like my best friend. So I struggle with it the whole day. <laughs> and then finally what happened was I met a friend of mine. Well, he was a friend then. Um, and he was like, I'm bisexual. And I'm like, oh my God, what a concept. <laughs> Thank God. No decision needs to be made. So, <laughs> so, um, so you know, I I um, identified as bisexual for several years, and until I got comfortable with realizing that I wasn't bisexual, I was in fact, you know, gay, and um, and then of course my gay friends were like, "You can't be gay. You're too pretty to be gay." Oh my god! I'm like, "Oh come on!" And then I discovered, you know, that that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the gay community can be a little misogynistic. So, um, you know, but eh, it is what it is. So that's my entire process. And it's probably more than you wanted to know. I unfortunately want to know everything. <laughs> I just, I just, I've unfortunately never been blessed with the ability to school my reaction. And that's the only part that I'm actually ever worried about. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's probably really, really cool because that means that you're always, you know, genuine. I, I unfortunately am. And it's made me lose a lot of people in my life. But I mean, that's unfortunately just the kind of person that I am. I feel like that I, I mean, if I don't tell you how I feel, you're never going to know. I agree with you. See, that's what I, you're, that's authenticity. You know, um, in, with, with my wife, um, you know, I, the moment I real I didn't know that I was in love with her for a while. And then when I realized, I was like, oh, okay. And I had to tell her right away because I, you know, I, I deal with things as they happen. I deal with things as I know them. And, and so I get that. And it's about being authentic. Mm -hmm. So um, if you've lost people because of your honesty and real, you know, your realness, you don't need them. That's always nice to hear. You don't. They're, they're not authentic and you don't need to have, nobody needs a lack of authenticity. We need more authenticity. For sure. But of course it doesn't mean people give you fucking assholes. And I have been known to be an asshole every once in a while, so. Well, you're human. We'll excuse that. You know, you're human. <laughs> so, I'm not perfect either. You know, although, you know, I'm working on it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's move on to a very happy topic. Yeah, uh, tell me about your wife. She's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, she, she is. She's the best. She's the absolute best. Um, I am. Um, I am completely blessed. Uh, I I don't have enough words to describe how amazing as a human being she is. Um, 
I am happy to just be in the same space that she's in, that she exists on the planet, makes this world a better fucking place. And um, I am just, I am content to basically, you know, bask in her sunshine. I, I am so not kidding. You know, um, she's awesome. Wow. Tell, tell me how you met. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, okay. if you, if it's a secret, that's fine. That's fine. No, 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 it's not a secret. Uh, as long a story, as short as possible. Um, I'm going to go off record for a moment here with you. Um, there is, there's a little bit of tragedy buried in here. So I'm going to gloss over that. Okay. That's, that's fine. I mean, it's whatever you want to share. Um, I was, well, we have, there, there are, are sort of like a, some cross wires where we should have met. Um, in fact, this is the 20th year anniversary of when we should have met, um, ah. <laughs> or we're coming up on it, you know, um, but what happened was, um, I wanted to, I, I wanted to get into comic books in a big way. I've always wanted to draw and be a part of comic books and I love comic books and comics, comics, comics. I love them. And I wanted also to develop Punk Like Me into a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. So I found um, a group, actually. I was just kind of perusing online. So I figured, you know, when you want to do something, you got to get into it. And sometimes you just got to find a group, find something, you know, and the Internet's a great resource. So I was like, all right, you know, um, let me look shit up. And I found this, this organization called Prism Comics. And Prism um, advocates for the uh, presence of uh, queer characters and within the comics world. And I was like, all right, I'm going to write reviews for them because I love the X-Men and there's tons of queer shit in the X-Men. And I, I love love and rockets. And, you know, um, I, I'm, I will write reviews. I will write, I'm a writer. I will write reviews and somehow that will turn comics. I don't know how this will happen, but it will happen. So I was being, I was being authentically myself. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is something to bear in mind. I was being very authentically myself. And um, I wanted to meet other, you know, gay comic creators. And I had nothing really beyond that. You know, I wanted to, I just wanted to get back into this love of mine, which, like I said, was comics. So this is like 2007 and my books come out and blah, 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 blah. So um, I get a sign. I, I, so I joined PRISM, P-R-I-S-M. And the prison comics, and I get assigned by a gentleman to review a whole bunch of comics. And he assigns to me this particular creator I'd not heard of before. And he's like, Review her work, you're gonna like it. I'm like, All right. So, um, her name is Chris Dresden, mm -hmm. and her stuff. So, the next thing you know, um, I'm, I'm in touch with, with you know, Ms. Dresden. And I'm reading her stuff. And as I'm reading her stuff, I'm thinking to myself, Jesus fucking Christ. This is me if I wrote comics. This is what I would create. This is, there was just such a, um, a sensibility there that I just, I just knew and I recognized. And it was just super freaking cool. And so um, we started talking. And uh, I, I shared my work with her. And as well, we, we did a little bit of an exchange and um, it turns out that Chris had that same sense of, man, if I wrote a novel, this is what I would write, you know? So fast forward a bit, 
you know, um, we just a couple of years later we decided that maybe we'd collaborate on something. We became the absolute best of friends. So the I mean just the absolute best best of friends. And I was in a very um, unfortunate situation at the time. So um, there was absolutely no consideration that there would be anything other than a friendship. You know, it never crossed my mind because, you know, um, the situation I was in was, was overwhelming. But I got out of it. I survived. And I'm alive. And um, as soon as I was free uh, and alive and safe, you know, um, Chris and I just kind of happened. But we knew we were going to happen. I mean, we we knew we loved each other. We just, I wasn't sure that we were in love with each other. Right. But we are. It's awesome. Aww. <laughs> so your wife is so, in comics. Yes. Yes, is she, she is. Is she helping you do the the graphic novel illustrations? She's actually the one who's doing it. She's doing, um, uh, she's... Well, she's a nominee. She's uh, actually really well known for her own work. So she's, you know, it's like I said, it's kind of like we're, we're sort of like our own sort of like lesbian power couple because I've got the fiction books thing and she's got the comics thing in between the two of us. It's funny because um, I have friends who they were fans of Chris's work and then found out we were together and they were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so perfect. That could like, oh, my God. Of course. Of course. You know. J.D. Glass is marrying Chris Dresden. Of course. Of course. There could be no better match ever. You know? Oh, my gosh. I, I need to look so, this up then because I actually really like comic books, too. Ugh. So, um, yeah, um, so some of her stuff is still online. She's got a big collection that's coming out um, in February, actually, a print. You know, all of her stuff is in print, you know, so because it's comics, so it's a little different than the online stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so a, a big, big collection of hers is coming out um, for Valentine's Day. It's called Her Curve. Oh, sorry. I just said yeah. it right up my alley. Oh, it's 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 cool. I yeah. love Chris. And the thing is, this is, I can say I love Chris's work and actually be unbiased about it because I loved her work before I fell in love with her. <laughs> I feel you. Oh my gosh, I understand this so much because my my wife is an author. Her first book is actually coming out. Uh, I don't know. I think they said November or something. And I fell oh, in love with her completely through her writing, and then it just turned into me falling in love with her after that. Yeah, isn't it funny? Because and how much of a person, if you know what you're looking for, how much of the person is revealed, and it's not what you think it, it is. I mean, people are always like, "Oh, is this real? Is that real?" And, you know, the, of course, that there's the, there are aspects of it that are, you know, um, what's it, um, a fiction breathed through silver, is that what it is? A words breathed through silver is the quote about what fiction is. But, um, you know, there's, there's this part of it that you can, if you know what you're reading for, you know that's the author. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you just, you can tell. And... Uh, yeah, so I, I completely understand the whole falling in love with the art first and then completely falling in love with the artist afterwards. Or maybe <laughs> maybe it was the other way around and you just never knew. You know, it, it might well be that um, exactly as I, that I actually fell in love with the person first, but the art was the, the way to communicate that. Mm, I totally understand. 
I could just and have I'm a not- whole podcast where I just talk to women about like we just we, we, we call that's my wife and it would just be a that's- podcast about like oh. our wives that's a great idea I, I mean, there's, there's a way, there's already something similar to that. I think it's called Take My Wife. It's, it's a comedy program. Oh, Carmen Craiglo. Yeah. I think uh, so. Yeah. No, anyway. So no one, I, I, I let no one take my wife. No, 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 no. No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I get the joke behind there, but it's just like, I, I could literally have a, a podcast by itself. That's just like my cats and my wife just all the time nobody would ever want to listen to me talk ever again but i could i could make it work <laughs> I, you could i think uh, uh chris every now and again talks about uh doing an art collection of uh just doing doing sketches and in a book of uh butches and boots uh, butches and boots that's it I'm gonna, well, exactly I'm gonna name the that. name the podcast name the podcast wife and kitties you say it fast enough, it just equals wife and titties. <laughs> you know what's funny? I'm the only male cat I actually have. His name is Titty. Oh, that's hysterical. I mean, his name was Titus to begin with. And we just always, our cats always have like an infinite number of nicknames after that. And Titty sure. just stuck. So the only male cat we have, we name him Titty. That's hysterical. Yes. Uh, but I bet you he doesn't mind. I, he does not, and honestly, we should love him more, but he's just, he's a whaler. It's just so strange. Like, he'll walk up to you and it's like, ah, like his, his meow just like waves. It's so strange. Okay, so, he, so he's very vocal. He's very vocal. He's the most vocal cat we have, and we don't understand why. Okay, so where, where are we? Where, where did we go? We, we talked about the awesomeness that is my wife. Oh, I love yeah, hearing. Talk- I love hearing yeah. women say that. I love just the just the phrase. My wife is just fantastic to hear. You know something? I, um, Chris and I were on our. We had uh, arrived in New York for my brother's wedding, mm-hmm. and and we were in the hotel room when we heard that uh, gay marriage was now legal across the country. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it was it, it was an awesome moment to be able to share. And, of course, it was Pride Weekend. And, you know, Pride Weekend in New York, because that's where Pride starts. You know, um, it was it an was amazing, amazing moment. And I love that she's my wife. Sometimes I am still really blown away that she's my wife. I mean, like, <laughs> real, she's my wife. Like, in, in, like, nothing, the only thing that could possibly change that is us. I hope that she never wants to change that because I never want to change it, you know, except to maybe do it over and over again um, because she's amazing and I adore her. And I can't believe that we're married. It's it's the most, it is literally the most awesome thing ever. They should have a, a ceremony that you can do when you just want to marry your spouse over again and be like wife plus or something. I don't know. <laughs> Like, show horses, when they win enough awards, they start getting, like, pluses and slashes behind their name. And I'm just like, can't we do that? Can't we do that with us? Just be like, oh, yeah, we've been married, like, four times. We're just, like, wife plus, plus, plus. Oh, that's really a cool idea. And I never knew that's what those meant. Oh, yes, yes. It Basically, they've won enough awards that they've gone into an honor society. And it's just, like, sounds like people have too much money. I mean, I love what we do, but it's just like, it's ridiculous. I see all the flaws every time. Oh, I'm sure. And I am, and there's always a contingent of people that's like, I need to be recognized. Now I need to be recognized again. Please just keep petting me. 
<laughs> just yeah. just keep adding those plus symbols. It's okay. We'll just we'll just add another we'll add another line to the trailer. It's whatever. We'll get a bigger <laughs> trailer to fit all those pluses in the name. <laughs> like okay. Like okay. What? <laughs> you gotta keep the you know they gotta keep the painters in business. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Right. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, you know, I mean, it's, I, I've been enjoying this conversation, you know, um, I, I, a lot. So good. is, is there anything you'd like to ask? <laughs> well, I've already asked my big question, which was where did you first realize gay people were a thing? Cause representation is so, so, so important. And to go back Not and to figure out when it was that you recognized it really says a lot about, you know, how, how it's presented to people. Like a lot of times people will say it's it's TV. Like for me, my first actual real cognitive, oh, that's that is a that is a gay <laughs> was was from a TV show that I saw a very long time ago. Oh my and... god, I saw it was on TV too. All right. So I yes, okay, yes, gotcha. Keep going. Cause because then I might have some some a different answer for you. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like we are your answer is is also fine because that's also a part of representation is you know, basically how someone else presents it to you. So, um, but me, I was, I was watching some teen soap opera once upon a time when I was, when I was a young teenager and I saw there was a storyline where, um, this girl, she was playing, they were doing Romeo and Juliet and she had to play Romeo and she turns out she had a crush on Juliet and she went in for a kiss. It did not go well. But then some other girl came into the room and then they start kissing and it was like a happy ending. And I was like, oh my God, that's the thing you can do. <laughs> and I just, everything in the world started sliding into place, sliding at glacier pace, mind you, because I didn't come out until I was like well into my twenties, but it just, it was you sound like, But you sound like you're still in your twenties. Ah, I am almost out of my twenties. Okay. I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to say I'm 30. Um, okay, so 30 is awesome. I just want you to know that. I certainly hope so, too. So was there anything else you wanted to talk about? No, um, I, we've talked about a whole, whole heck of a lot. Just what I love. I love doing a very wide spectrum, because that's, that's what people are like. You know, they're not just, as you said, about one thing or another. You know, sometimes you need more pieces to, like, just grasp somebody more as a whole. Exactly. Exactly. So, tell us where people can find you. Oh, um, let's see. Well, I'm on Facebook and, uh, you can find me, uh, if you can't find my personal, personal page, cause there's like 5,000 people on it. Um, JD glass too. Mm -hmm. uh, there's dresdenglass.com, which has both mine and Chris's work on it. And I'm on Twitter, tw uh, JD glass. And we're on Instagram, JDKD. And little by little, we're putting more stuff on there because, you know, we have fun. I, I bake. So, um, Oh, that's nice. So one of you gets to cook. Well, we both cook. Chris is an amazing cook. And, and we've discovered I'm not half bad, but I like wow, to be. Oh, that's nice. Me and my wife are still at the phase where we're just like, why don't you cook? And I'm like, what? No, why don't you cook? And they're like, well, why don't you cook? And she'll do this <laughs> thing where she's like, honey, will you cook that one thing for me? You do it the best. And I'm just like, it's just spaghetti don't have to lie to me <laughs> <laughs> um well it's funny speaking of spaghetti so um i i make a red sauce that chris really likes mm -hmm. so um she, so she made the the sausage and the gnocchi and i made the and i made the sauce so we we 
when we can cook together, we do. But there are certain things that each of us is much better than the other at. And um, and that's enjoyable as well. Uh, Chris makes ribs. They're the best fucking ribs I've ever had anywhere. I love ribs. I have had ribs up and down the East Coast. I have had ribs in Louisiana. I have had ribs in Mississippi. I have had ribs in Alabama and Texas. I have had ribs. I fucking love ribs. And my wife makes the best fucking ribs ever. It's meant to be. It is meant to be. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, so, so um, you know, we, we live in a land where people like, you know, barbecue all the time and it's great barbecue to be had and trust me we have it you know i look like i live in the midwest now um but <laughs> <laughs> it's true I'm, I'm i'm working i'm fighting that part but um yeah she makes the best ribs ever and they're they're delicious and and you know like i said i've had ribs up and down this country and hers are the best wow it's like you guys were <laughs> meant to be nice. i hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well it was it was very wonderful, wonderful, wonderful talking to you. I really enjoyed our conversation. And I hope, you know, is there any shout outs for any upcoming projects that you want people to check out? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I already have asked people to take a look at the June issue for Go Magazine. Um, this fall, I have a new book coming out and it's called Firefall. So it's about a smoke jumper. She's a New York City EMT, and she moonlights as a smoke jumper, which is one of those people who gets into a perfectly good flying vehicle and jumps out of it to put out fires. Well, wait and a minute. Course, is this really a thing? Yeah, it's really a thing. They're smoke jumpers. Yeah, they put out fires in, in um, they put out fires in California. They put out fires up in Alaska. They put out fires in Missouri. Um, and um, all through the country, there's where, where you have those big raging wildfires, you have smoke jumpers. So, so they jump out of planes, or did you say moving vehicles? Well, I have flying vehicles. So some of them. So you've got you've got smoke jumpers and you've got hot shots. So smoke jumpers jump out of planes, and um, hot shots jump out of helicopters. Oh, okay, okay. I'm I'm piecing this together. What you're talking about now? Wow, that's cray cray. I mean, yeah, I know. That's that's amazingly crazy. So I, I actually um I actually got offered a job along those lines because um I was an EMT for a very very long time, and um you know there's also like there's all kinds of neat stuff you know um there's there's also like these elite rescue units that they hire that they travel around the world you know like to go to disasters and stuff like that. So this main character, her name is Benny, and she's like I said, she's a New York City EMT. And when she's not busy being in New York City EMT, she's jumping in and out of fires. But when she's not doing either one of those things, she and her and her um, best friend's wife, they're working on a comic book together. So this that's that's my story. Oh, so are you going to do yep. research for this story and actually jump out of a plane? I have not ever jumped out of a plane. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> however, I have run in and out of fires. And I have done plenty of rescue. So oh, wow. Uh, wow. More. You're adding more to this long ass resume. Goodness I gracious. <laughs> okay, when we did when we did the whole tell me about yourself, you didn't mention any of this, by the way. There's a lot to talk about, you know. I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of stuff, you know. So uh, and it lends itself to the writing, you know. I mean, you write what you know, right? But not jumping exactly. out of planes. <laughs> um, you know, it's okay. That that I do a lot of research for. And I have a brother 
who um, in fact has jumped out of many a plane. So, you know, I could just ask him. <laughs> That's perfectly fine. You don't have to do everything. I mean, exactly. People exactly. are like, you to try everything once. And I'm like, you know, I think I will not try everything once. I mean, there are a That's couple like, of things you try them once and that's it. <laughs> well, see, exactly. It's like, here, what? try once. Like what? Like getting hugged by a python? Uh, I don't think so. No. You know, uh, no. You know, a close and personal hello to a man of war? Also, don't think so. You know, there's, there's a lot of things that you just should not do. Not even once. Not ever. Even once. I agree. I agree. Okay, so you have a book coming out later. And then... Yeah. Oh, um, well, I'm, sure I, I have, really... I'm sure you have more. You keep pulling things out of the woodwork here. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, or, or not, if you're entertained. I'm so, very entertained. <laughs> so I release um, a short story. And basically, they're erotic short stories. And I release them every month via Bella Books because they're they're Bella exclusive for the first two months. Um, so if you go to Bella Books, you'll find them. So uh, I I release a short story every single month, and I have for the last few months. So I started in February, and I'll be doing this for the foreseeable future. And I have um, the one for Pride is called Crayons in the Box. That sounds interesting. It's a cute little story, and some of them are uh, standalone stories. Some of them are excerpts from from other novels. You know, uh, some of them are the one that's going to come out in July. Um, it's called Claiming the Angel, and it's characters from another book that people really enjoy. Oh, that's wonderful! And then you got stuff with the new game coming out. You got you got a lot going on. You need like an event calendar. <laughs> My my wife and I keep saying that we're going to get a big, big erasable calendar to put up on the wall just so we can keep up with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish the best of luck to all of you. And Thank you. And it was so fun talking to you. Like, holy cow, you have a lot going on. You know, in six months of it, that comes around and you're like, you know what? I have more going on. Feel free That's to pop true. back in. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, in, uh, in, um, in, in six months, there'll be a lot more going on because I'm going back to school in the fall uh-huh. and, um, and I, I don't have a lot of credits left to go. I just got to finish it up. So, um, and that's going to help me move even further with what I'm doing in terms of other storytelling stuff. I'm working on some games with my wife, you know, some, some like visual novel type games. Ooh, so, fun. so yeah, actually a ton of fun. So we're taking... Um, sort of like what you're familiar with, um, and, and this this is one of those, I can't wait to share it with you, but I have to wait to share it with you. Of course, so, of course. Uh, it's sort of, it's, it's, if you've played and have been playing the Love Struck games, you'll understand how these things work, but they're not exactly like that either. They're, it's still, it's still more, it's more along the lines within the storytelling genre. I'm so, excited with, regardless. It, with some really beautiful art, and um, so there's there's two different projects I'm working on. One is my story, one of my stories. One is a, a, a story of Chris's, and uh, just excited, just really really excited. So there's there's always stuff. You know, our, our studio is always busy. Goodness. We're never we're never not working on something. How do you and even I, schedule that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she does all the scheduling. Uh, no, we both do it actually like like for example, right now you and I are talking, right? Right. So that so Chris right now is in the other room and she's got one I, I I'm not even looking at her because I'm I'm in the studio. Mm-hmm. So that she can 
you know, put on TV or music if she wants to in the background, I guarantee you that she's either reading something that she needs to read or that she's working on one of three different projects. True. It's a lot. You guys got a lot going on. It's cray cray. What was that for me? Oh, even better. Oh, more importantly, she's sorting the laundry. Even more important. I wish I could give my Thank wife you, to do baby. that. <laughs> well, tell her I said hi, I suppose. I will, I promise. Tell her that strange woman you've been oh, talking on the internet with for like two hours said hi. She said she just yelled hello from the bedroom. <laughs> well, if she ever wants to talk, she's more than welcome. Of course. And I mean, if you guys are totally busy, I mean, I'm, I'm very thankful that you made the time to talk. Oh, it's it's a pleasure. I, I I love doing things like this because I like you know this is this is community stuff and it's it's, it's just critical. Very much know? so, and I'm sure I I mean I'm sure your wife's experiences are different than your own. In fact, everyone's experiences are different in one exactly. way or another. So it's never a dull conversation. No, it's never ever ever a dull one. And that's that's the thing is even when we're similar, we're different, right? And that's mm -hmm. kind of the fascinating part. Why is my keyboard not working? Come on, keyboard. Well, that's perfectly fine. Uh, we're going to actually wrap this. I mean, this whole conversation with you has just been, it's been a roller coaster and it's been really fantastic <laughs> and wonderful. I'm glad you've enjoyed it. I mean, I didn't know, I honestly did not know what I was getting into and I, that's made this even more exciting. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. And you know, and the thing is, is that um, we, we, if, if you so choose and it's all right with you, we could always do it again at some point in the future. Of course. You know? Of course. I'm always willing to have people back on because people's lives update. If you know anyone else who wants to talk about their stuff and their experiences, feel free to send them my way. I am not exclusive by any means. Oh, no worries. I have, uh, I, 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 plenty of people I know who would probably, uh, in, not probably would definitely enjoy talking with you. And some of them are, are a bit older. So I I'm, think full, I'm totally for that. Like I, it's it's so fun talking to other people. That's been like, cause I I was not through the '80s, so I miss the AIDS crisis completely. And to hear them from people who actually lived through it is a completely different story than you hear from people who were not inside the community at that time. It's completely exactly. completely different. Because I've talked. Even people who are just a few years older than me, their experience of it is different than mine. See, my my experience is I literally came of age, you know, and, and started, came into puberty and sexual maturity under the specter of AIDS, while those people who are just a few years older than me, they're the last years of the whole, everybody can sleep with everybody, and all we're ever worried about is itchies, you know, and good shots. Wow. You know, it's true. That's all they were worried about was the itchies, and penicillin fixes that, you know, so... um you know, so their attitude about sex and sexuality is completely different than my generation. And that's just a few years between us, you know. And then there's the kids who came after that who have never known anything but that. And so their approach to sex and sexuality is even more um, constrained in a lot of ways. And there's people from my generation who have no knowledge of that and are just but it was just like there there's so much we could offer to each other and there's so much history that is not passed down. It's just important. Right, right, exactly, exactly. You know, it, it's it's you know, that it, it's funny the things that, you know, we forget. And it's a human thing too. It's very human to forget. Um, because we don't want to know that stuff because it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely something I also want to bring forward again, because a lot of that history is all word of mouth at this, unfortunately. And a lot of people haven't heard of it. 
I've already, I've already tried to wrap this up once. So let's try this once more. Um, you've already said <laughs> all the stuff you think's coming out. Uh, any other announcements? Anything else? No, no, that's it. Um, uh, I, I thank you so much for, uh, for having me on. I've, I've had a really great time talking with you. Same. And I definitely hope we get to do it again, um, both on and off the record, because you're really fun to talk with. <gasps> Why, thank you. I try. <laughs> you succeed. You it's, succeed. It's hard to believe that literally five years ago, if you had told me I would be talking to strangers on the internet for like hours at a time, I would have called you crazy because I was a serious introvert back then. So it's, it's fun how people grow. <laughs> That's awesome. See, and, and that kind of also proves the point, doesn't it? Because five years ago, you were still not quite 100% adult yet, physically. Nope. I mean, uh, technically, you could say before this last year, I wasn't technically at all because <laughs> I refused well, well, a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> welcome to it. Um, here's your, you know, it's like, here's, hi, adulthood. Welcome to it. Here's your badge. Here's your shovel. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your house, and here are the horses that your wife puts on those on your land. And I'm like, oh, thank you. I will make this work, dear God. <laughs> Somehow you will make it work. Somehow. And it was, of course, very, very wonderful talking to you. Same here. So much. Hope to talk to everyone again soon. <laughs> so we should do a reverse podcast with you and we should, we should call it all about cat oh my gosh all about cat you're gonna think it's about a person named cat but jokes on you it's about exactly. cats like exactly. like only, the, only mm -hmm. the elite can join that one you know yes only the elite who will come and talk about their cats with me uh <laughs> you know what's what's crazy the reputation is already spread that we're the cat ladies because i had a neighbor who apparently she found a cat and she came over to the house with the cat and she was like oh i was just showing you this cat that we had or whatever and her and my wife were talking and then at some point i'm just holding this cat petting it thinking i'm not going to keep this one i'm not going to keep this one i'm not going to keep this one and all of a sudden i hear our neighbor say yeah she can like come over and spend the night sometime you know like have friends and i was just like that is a low-key way to like dump cats on your lesbian neighbors if i've ever heard one <laughs> Yeah, they could just hang out and, you know, be buddies. Yeah, and then she'll yeah. never come home. Whatever. <laughs> it's it's already been decided. Once that cat, like, laid in my arms and just started purring while we were outside and just let me pet her, I was like, crap. We've, <laughs> we've bonded. It's too late. I, I understand this. I absolutely understand It's just, um. ugh. There's no, like, I love animals. I love them so much, but it's like at some point, you know, when you're buying food in the Walmart, you're just like, this is, this is too much money for how many mouths I have to feed. 